Chapter Fifteen of Allan and the Holy Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Allan and the Holy Flower by H. Rider Haggard. Chapter Fifteen, The Motombo. After my dream, I went to sleep again, till I was finally aroused by a strong ray of light hitting me straight in the eye. Where the dickens does that come from? I thought to myself, for these huts had no windows. Then I followed the ray to its source, which I perceived was a small hole in the mud wall, some five feet above the floor. I rose and examined the said hole, and noted that it appeared to have been freshly made, for the clay at the sides of it was in no way discoloured. I reflected that if anyone wanted to eavesdrop, such an aperture would be convenient, and went outside the hut to pursue my investigations. Its wall, I found, was situated about four feet from the eastern part of the encircling reed fence, which showed no signs of disturbance, although there, in the outer face of the wall, was the hole, and beneath it on the lime flooring lay some broken fragments of plaster. I called Hans and asked him if he had kept watch round the hut when the wrapped-up man visited us during the night. He answered yes, and that he could swear that no one had come near it, since several times he had walked to the back and looked somewhat comforted but not satisfied i went in to wake up the others to whom i said nothing of this matter since it seemed foolish to alarm them for no good purpose a few minutes later the tall silent women arrived with our hot water it seemed curious to have hot water brought to us in such a place by these very queer kind of housemaids but so it was the pongo i may add were like the zulus very clean in their persons though whether they all used hot water i cannot say at any rate it was provided for us half an hour later they returned with breakfast consisting chiefly of a roasted kid of which as it was whole and therefore unmistakable we partook thankfully a little later the majestic comba arrived after many compliments and inquiries as to our general health he asked whether we were ready to start on our visit to the mutombo who he added was expecting us with much eagerness i inquired how he knew that since we had only arranged to call on him late on the previous night, and I understood that he lived a day's journey away. But Comba put the matter by with a smile and a wave of his hand. So in due course off we went, taking with us all our baggage, which now that it had been lightened by the delivery of the presents, was of no great weight. Five minutes' walk along the wide main street led us to the northern gate of Rika town, here we found the Kalubi himself with an escort of thirty men armed with spears. I noted that unlike the Mazitu they had no bows and arrows. He announced in a loud voice that he proposed to do us the special honour of conducting us to the sanctuary of the Holy One, by which we understood him to mean the Matombo. When we politely begged him not to trouble, being in an irritable mood or assuming it, he told us rudely to mind our own business. Indeed, I think this irritability was real enough which, in the circumstances known to the reader, was not strange. At any rate, an hour or so later it declared itself in an act of great cruelty which showed us how absolute was this man's power in all temporal matters. Passing through a little clump of bush, we came to some gardens surrounded by a light fence through which a number of cattle of a small and delicate breed, they were not unlike jerseys in appearance, had broken to enjoy themselves by devouring the crops. This garden, it appeared, belonged to the Kalubi for the time being, who was furious at the destruction of its produce by the cattle, which also belonged to him. "'Where is the herd?' he shouted. A hunt began, and presently the poor fellow, he was no more than a lad, was discovered asleep behind a bush. 
when he was dragged before him the kalubi pointed first to the cattle then to the broken fence and the devastated garden the lad began to mutter excuses and pray for mercy kill him said the kalubi whereon the herd flung himself to the ground and clutching him by the ankles began to kiss his feet crying out that he was afraid to die the kalubi tried to kick himself free and failing in this lifted his big spear and made an end of the poor boy's prayers and life at a single stroke the escort clapped their hands in salute or approval after which four of them at a sign took up the body and started with it at a trot for rika town where probably that night it appeared upon the grid brother john saw and his big white beard bristled with indignation like the hair on the back of an angry cat while stephen sputtered something beginning with you brute and lifted his fist as though to knock the kalubi down this had i not caught hold of him i have no doubt he would have done o kalubi gasped brother john do you not know that blood calls for blood in the hour of your own death remember this death would you bewitch me white man said the kalubi glaring at him angrily if so and once more he lifted the spear but as john never stirred held it poised irresolutely komba himself thrust between them crying back dogeeta who dare to meddle with our customs is not the kalubi lord of life and death brother john was about to answer but i called to him in english for heaven's sake be silent unless you want to follow the boy we are in these men's power then he remembered and walked away and presently we marched forward as though nothing had happened only from that moment i do not think that any of us worried ourselves about the kalubi and what might befall him still looking back on the thing i think that there was this excuse to be made for the man he was mad with the fear of death and knew not what he did all that day we travelled on through rich flat country that as we could tell from various indications had once been widely cultivated now the fields were few and far between and bush for the most part a kind of bamboo scrub was reoccupying the land about midday we halted by a water-pool to eat and rest for the sun was hot and here the four men who had carried off the boy's body rejoined us and made some report then we went forward once more towards what seemed to be a curious and precipitous wall of black cliff beyond which the volcanic-looking mountain towered in stately grandeur by three o'clock we were near enough to this cliff which ran east and west as far as the eye could reach to see a hole in it apparently where the road terminated that appeared to be the mouth of a cave the kalubi came up to us and in a shy kind of way tried to make conversation i think that the sight of this mountain drawing ever nearer vividly recalled his terrors and caused him to desire to efface the bad impression he knew he had made on us to whom he looked for safety among other things he told us that the hole we saw was the door of the house of the mutombo i nodded my head but did not answer for the presence of this murderous king made me feel sick so he went away again looking at us in a humble and deprecatory manner nothing further happened until we reached the remarkable wall of rock that i have mentioned which i suppose is composed of some very hard stone that remained when the softer rock in which it lay was disintegrated by millions of years of weather or washings by the water of the lake or perhaps its substance was thrown out of the bowels of the volcano when this was active i am no geologist and cannot say especially as i lacked time to examine the place 
at any rate there it was and there in it appeared the mouth of a great cave that i presume was natural having once formed a kind of drain through which the lake overflowed when pongo land was under water we halted staring dubiously at this darksome hole which no doubt was the same that babemba had explored in his youth then the kalubi gave an order and some of the soldiers went to huts that were built near the mouth of the cave where i suppose guardians or attendants lived though of these we saw nothing presently they returned with a number of lighted torches that were distributed among us this done we plunged shivering at least i shivered into the gloomy recesses of that great cavern the kalubi going before us with half our escort and komba following behind us with the remainder the floor of the place was made quite smooth doubtless by the action of water as were the walls and roof so far as we could see them for it was very wide and lofty it did not run straight but curved about in the thickness of the cliff at the first turn the pongo soldiers set up a low and eerie chant which they continued during its whole length that according to my pacings was something over three hundred yards on we wound the torches making stars of light in the intense blackness till at length we rounded a last corner where a great curtain of woven grass now drawn was stretched across the cave here we saw a very strange sight on either side of it near to the walls burned a large wood fire that gave light to the place also more light flowed into it from its further mouth that was not more than twenty paces from the fires beyond the mouth was water which seemed to be about two hundred yards wide and beyond the water rose the slopes of the mountain that was covered with huge trees moreover a little bay penetrated into the cavern the point of which bay ended between the two fires here the water which was not more than six or eight feet wide and shallow formed the berthing place of a good-sized canoe that lay there the walls of the cavern from the turn to the point of the tongue of water were pierced with four doorways two on either side which led i presume to chambers hewn in the rock at each of these doorways stood a tall woman clothed in white who held in her hand a burning torch i concluded that these were attendants set there to guide and welcome us for after we had passed they vanished into the chambers but this was not all set across the little bay of water just above the canoe that floated there was a wooden platform eight feet or so square on either side of which stood an enormous elephant's tusk bigger indeed than any i have seen in all my experience which tusks seemed to be black with age between the tusks squatted upon rugs of some kind of rich fur was what from its shape and attitude i at first took to be a huge toad in truth it had all the appearance of a very bloated toad there was the rough corrugated skin there the prominent backbone for its back was towards us and there were the thin splayed-out legs we stared at this strange object for quite a long while unable to make it out in that uncertain light for so long indeed that i grew nervous and was about to ask the kalubi what it might be as my lips opened however it stirred and with a slow groping circular movement turned itself towards us very slowly at length it was round and as the head came in view all the pongo from the kalubi down ceased their low weird chant and flung themselves upon their faces those who had torches still holding them up in their right hands oh what a thing appeared it was not a toad but a man that moved upon all fours the large bald head was sunk deep between the shoulders either through deformity or from age for this creature was undoubtedly very old 
looking at it i wondered how old but could form no answer in my mind the great broad face was sunken and withered like to leather dried in the sun the lower lip hung pendulously upon the prominent and bony jaw two yellow tusk-like teeth projected one at each side of the great mouth all the rest were gone and from time to time it licked the white gums with a red-pointed tongue as a snake might do but the chief wonder of the thing lay in its eyes that were large and round perhaps because the flesh had shrunk away from them which gave them the appearance of being set in the hollow orbits of the skull these eyes literally shone like fire indeed at times they seemed positively to blaze as i have seen a lion's eyes do in the dark i confess that the aspect of the creature terrified and for a while paralyzed me to think that it was human was awful i glanced at the others and saw that they too were frightened stephen turned very white i thought that he was going to be sick again as he was after he drank the coffee out of the wrong bowl on the day we entered mazitu land brother john stroked his white beard and muttered some invocation to heaven to protect him hans explained in his abominable dutch oh kick boss das is gel liquor out deal oh look boss there is the ugly old devil himself jerry went flat on his face among the pongo muttering that he saw death before him only mavovo stood firm perhaps because as a witch-doctor of repute he felt that it did not become him to show the white feather in the presence of an evil spirit the toad-like creature on the platform swayed its great head slowly as a tortoise does and contemplated us with its flaming eyes at length it spoke in a thick guttural voice using the tongue that seemed to be common in this part of africa and indeed to that branch of the bantu people to which the zulus belong but as i thought with a foreign accent so you are the white man come back it said slowly let me count and lifting one skinny hand from the ground it pointed with the forefinger and counted one tall with a white beard yes that is right two short nimble like a monkey with hair that wants no comb clever too like a father of monkeys yes that is right three smooth-faced young and stupid like a fat baby that laughs at the sky because he is full of milk and thinks that the sky is laughing at him yes that is right all three of you are just the same as you used to be do you remember white beard how while we killed you you said prayers to one who sits above the world and held up a cross of bone to which a man was tied who wore a cap of thorns do you remember how you kissed the man with the cap of thorns as the spear went into you you shake your head oh you are a clever liar but i will show you that you are a liar for i have the thing yet and snatching up a horn that lay on the cross beneath him he blew as the peculiar wailing note that the horn made died away a woman dashed out of one of the doorways that i have described and flung herself on her knees before him he muttered something to her and she dashed back again to reappear in an instant holding in her hand a yellow ivory crucifix here it is 
here it is he said take it white beard and kiss it once more perhaps for the last time and he threw the crucifix to brother john who caught it and stared at it amazed and do you remember fat baby how we caught you you fought well very well but we killed you at last and you were good very good we got much strength from you and do you remember father of monkeys how you escaped from us with your cleverness i wonder where you went to and how you died i shall not forget you for you gave me this and he pointed to a big white scar upon his shoulder you would have killed me but the stuff in that iron tube of yours burned slowly when you held the fire to it so that i had time to jump aside and the iron ball did not strike me in the heart as you meant that it should yes it is still here oh yes i carry it with me to this day and now that i have grown thin i can feel it with my finger i listened astonished to this harangue which if it meant anything meant that we had all met before in africa at some time when men used matchlocks that were fired with a fuse that is to say about the year seventeen hundred or earlier reflection however showed me the interpretation of this nonsense obviously this old priest's forefather or if one put him at a hundred and twenty years of age and i am sure that he was not a day less perhaps his father as a young man was mixed up with some of the first europeans who penetrated to the interior of africa probably these were portuguese of whom one may have been a priest and the other two an elderly man and his son or young brother or companion the manner of the deaths of these people and of what happened to them generally would of course be remembered by the descendants of the chief or head medicine man of the tribe where did we meet and when o motombo i asked not in this land not in this land father of monkeys he replied in his low rumbling voice but far far away towards the west where the sun sinks in the water and not in this day but long long ago twenty kalubis have ruled the pongo since that day some have ruled for many years and some have ruled for a few years that depends upon the will of my brother the god yonder and he chuckled horribly and jerked his thumb backward over his shoulder towards the forest on the mountain yes twenty have ruled some for thirty years and none for less than four well you are a large old liar i thought to myself for taking the average rule of the kalubis at ten years this would mean that we met him two centuries ago at least you were clothed otherwise then he went on and two of you wore hats of iron on the head but that of white beard was shaven i caused a picture of you to be beaten by the master smith upon a plate of copper i have it yet again he blew upon his horn again a woman darted out to whom he whispered again she went to one of the chambers and returned bearing an object which he cast to us we looked at it it was a copper or bronze plaque black apparently with age which once had been nailed on something for there were the holes it represented a tall man with a long beard and a tonsured head 
who held a cross in his hand and two other men both short who wore round metal caps and were dressed in queer-looking garments and boots with square toes these men carried big and heavy matchlocks and in the hand of one of them was a smoking fuse that was all we could make out of the thing why did you leave the far country and come to this land o motombo i asked because we were afraid that other white men would follow on your steps and avenge you the kalubi of that day ordered it though i said no who knew that none could escape by flight from what must come when it must come so we travelled and travelled till we found this place and here we have dwelt from generation to generation the gods came with us also my brother that dwells in the forest came though we never saw him on the journey yet he was here before us the holy flower came too and the white mother of the flower she was the wife of one of you i know not which your brother the god i said if the god is an ape as we have heard how can he be the brother of a man oh you white men do not understand but we black people understand in the beginning the ape killed my brother who was kalubi and his spirit entered into the ape making him as a god so he kills every other kalubi and their spirits enter also into him is it not so o kalubi of to-day you without a finger and he laughed mockingly the kalubi who was lying on his stomach groaned and trembled but made no other answer so all has come about as i foresaw went on the toad-like creature you have returned as i knew you would and now we shall learn whether whitebeard yonder spoke true words when he said that his god would be avenged upon our god you shall go to be avenged on him if you can and then we shall learn but this time you have none of your iron tubes which alone we fear for did not the god declare to us through me that when the white man came back with an iron tube then he the god would die and i the motombo the god's mouth would die and the holy flower would be torn up and the mother of the flower would pass away and the people of the pongo would be dispersed and become wanderers and slaves and did he not declare that if the white men came back without their iron tubes then certain secret things would happen oh ask them not in time they shall be known to you and the people of the pongo who were dwindling would again become fruitful and very great and that is why we welcome you white men who arise again from the land of ghosts because through you we the pongo shall become fruitful and very great of a sudden he ceased his rumbling talk his head sank back between his shoulders and he sat silent for a long while his fierce sparkling eyes playing on us as though he would read our very thoughts if he succeeded i hoped that mine pleased him to tell the truth i was filled with mixed fear fury and loathing although of course i did not believe a word of all the rubbish he had been saying 
which was akin to much that is evolved by these black-hearted african wizards i hated the creature whom i felt to be only half human my whole nature sickened at his aspect and talk and yet i was dreadfully afraid of him i felt as a man might who wakes up to find himself alone with some peculiarly disgusting christmas story kind of ghost moreover i was quite sure that he meant us ill fearful and imminent ill suddenly he spoke again who is that little yellow one he said that old one with a face like a skull and he pointed to hans who had kept as much out of sight as possible behind mavovo that wizened snub-nosed one who might be a child of my brother the god if ever he had a child and why being so small does he need so large a staff here he pointed again to hans's big bamboo stick i think he is as full of guile as a new-filled gourd with water the big black one and he looked at mavovo i do not fear for his magic is less than my magic he seemed to recognize a brother doctor in mavovo but the little one with the big stick and the pack upon his back i fear him i think he should be killed he paused and we trembled for if he chose to kill the poor hottentot how could we prevent him but hans who saw the great danger called his cunning to his aid oh Matombo, he squeaked you must not kill me for i am a servant of an ambassador you know well that all the gods of every land hate and will be revenged upon those who touch ambassadors or their servants whom they the gods alone may harm if you kill me i shall haunt you yes i shall sit on your shoulder at night and gibber into your ear so that you cannot sleep until you die for though you are old you must die at last motombo it is true said the motombo did i not tell you that he was full of cunning all the gods will be avenged upon those who kill ambassadors or their servants that here he laughed again in his dreadful way is the rights of the gods alone let the gods of the pongo settle it i uttered a sigh of relief and he went on in a new voice a dull business-like voice if i may so describe it say o kalubi on what matter have you brought these white men to speak with me the mouth of the god did i dream that it was a matter of a treaty with the king of the mazitu rise and speak so the kalubi rose and with a humble air set out briefly and clearly the reason of our visit to pongoland as the envoys of bausi and the heads of the treaty that had been arranged subject to the approval of the motombo and bausi we noted that the affair did not seem to interest the motombo at all indeed he appeared to go to sleep while the speech was being delivered perhaps because he was exhausted with the invention of his outrageous falsehoods or perhaps for other reasons when it was finished he opened his eyes and pointed to komba saying arise kalubi that is to be so komba rose and in his cold precise voice narrated his share in the transaction telling how he had visited bausi and all that had happened in connection with the embassy again the motombo appeared to go to sleep only opening his eyes once as komba described how he had been searched for firearms whereon he nodded his great head in approval and licked his lips with his thin red tongue when komba had done he said 
the gods tell me that the plan is wise and good since without new blood the people of the pongo will die but of the end of the matter the god knows alone if even he can read the future he paused then asked sharply have you anything more to say o kalubi that is to be now of a sudden the god puts it into my mouth to ask if you have anything more to say something o motombo many moons ago the god bit off the finger of our high lord the kalubi the kalubi having heard that a white man skilled in medicine who could cut off limbs with knives was in the country of the mazitu and camped on the borders of the great lake took a canoe and rowed to where the white man was camped he with the beard who is named dogeta and who stands before you i followed him in another canoe because i wished to know what he was doing also to see a white man i hid my canoe and those who went with me in the reeds far from the kalubi's canoe i waded through the shallow water and concealed myself in some thick reeds quite near to the white man's linen house i saw the white man cut off the kalubi's finger and i heard the kalubi pray the white man to come to our country with the iron tubes that smoke and to kill the god of whom he was afraid now from all the company went up a great gasp and the kalubi fell down upon his face again and lay still only the motombo seemed to show no surprise perhaps because he already knew the story is that all he asked no o mouth of the god last night after the council of which you have heard the kalubi wrapped himself up like a corpse and visited the white men in their hut i thought that he would do so and had made ready with a sharp spear i bored a hole in the wall of the hut working from outside the fence then i thrust a reed through from the fence across the passage between the fence and the wall and through the hole in the hut and setting my ear to the end of the reed i listened oh clever clever muttered hans in involuntary admiration and to think that i looked and looked too low beneath the reed oh hans though you are old you have much to learn among much else i heard this went on komba in sentences so clear and cold that they reminded me of the tinkle of falling ice which i think is enough though i can tell you the rest if you wish or mouth i heard he said in the midst of a silence that was positively awful our lord the kalubi whose name is child of the god agree with the white men that they should kill the god how i do not know for it was not said and that in return they should receive the persons of the mother of the holy flower and of her daughter the mother that is to be and should dig up the holy flower itself by the roots and take it away across the water together with the mother and the mother that is to be that is all o motombo still in the midst of an intense silence the motombo glared at the prostrate figure of the kalubi for a long while he glared then the silence was broken for the wretched kalubi sprang from the floor seized a spear and tried to kill himself before the blade touched him it was snatched from his hand so that he remained standing but weaponless again there was silence and again it was broken this time by the motombo who rose from his seat before which he stood a huge bloated object and roared aloud in his rage yes he roared like a wounded buffalo 
never would i have believed that such a vast volume of sound could have proceeded from the lungs of a single aged man for fully a minute his furious bellowings echoed down that great cave while all the pongo soldiers rising from their recumbent position pointed their hands in some of which torches still burned at the miserable kalubi on whom their wrath seemed to be concentrated rather than on us and hissed like snakes really it might have been a scene in hell with the motombo playing the part of satan indeed his swollen diabolical figure supported on the thin toad-like legs the great fires burning on either side the lurid lights of evening reflected from the still water beyond and glowering among the tree-tops of the mountains the white-robed forms of the tall pongo bending every one of them towards the wretched culprit and hissing like so many fierce serpents all suggested some uttermost deep in the infernal regions as one might conceive them in a nightmare it went on for some time i don't know how long till at length the motombo picked up his fantastically shaped horn and blew thereon the women darted from the various doorways but seeing that they were not wanted checked themselves in their stride and remained standing so in the very attitude of runners about to start a race as the blast of the horn died away the turmoil was suddenly succeeded by an utter stillness broken only by the crackling of the fires whose flames of all the living things in that place alone seemed heedless of the tragedy which was being played all up now old fellow whispered stephen to me in a shaky voice yes i answered all up high as heaven where i hope we are going now back to back and let's make the best fight we can we've got the spears while we were closing in the motombo began to speak so you plotted to kill the god kalubi who was he screamed with these white ones whom you would pay with the holy flower and her who guards it good you shall go all of you and talk with the god and i watching here will learn who dies you or the god away with them End of chapter fifteen